Welcome to Get Your Head Back in the Game. This is a podcast about the amazing human spirit to overcome setbacks and stories to inspire you to get your head back in the game. My name is Melissa Ross. I am a mother, a wife, a sibling, a former professional cyclist, a cycling coach, and a serial entrepreneur. I am a traumatic brain injury warrior. I have lost everything and have fought my way back step by step. And I invite you to do the same. So get ready to join me for this wild ride. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 10 of Get Your Head Back in the Game. My name is Melissa Ross, and today I'm really excited to be talking with Dr. Sue Lowe. She is a developmental rehabilitation optometrist and has a lot of credentials behind her name. She was the first female eye doctor in Wyoming in 1980, I believe it was, and also a charter member of the Neurooptometric Association. And this has been for over 40 years. So she has a long history with the development of stuff dealing with concussions and TBIs, and also has almost every certification for the American Optometry Association and stays up to date on a lot of new stuff. So She's got a lot of information on vision therapy and vision, and we're going to learn a lot today. Dr. Sue, hello. Thanks for yeah, joining thank me. You. Yeah, thank you, Melissa. Yeah, thank you. No, I appreciate Thank you for that introduction. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm always happy to talk about my passion and my profession, which has, uh, again, been into preventative care. Uh, I like to see the children when they're 11 months of age for their first exam. Uh, we do well baby exams for no charge to get folks into the system so they start to understand that that uh, vision goes beyond just 2020. 2020, one eye at a time, was developed in 1853, and I feel like it belongs there, the 2020 Snellen charts. Wow. There's much better ways to evaluate, <clears throat> much better ways to evaluate vision prescriptions and sight. So we, we think of uh, vision care as primary care as well as specialty care. And in my office at Snowy Range Vision Center, we, we practice full scope uh, optometry and we have consulting ophthalmology, that is surgeons that come do consultations with regards to oculoplastics as well as LASIK and cataracts. So it's nice to have them available for our um, patients here at Snowy Range Vision Center. So what I wanted to, to tell you all about a little bit initially is to think about um, the whole person because the eyes lead the body. Vision is your dominant sense. It's critical, number one, to make sure our eyes are healthy and also to, can they see clearly. So we like to give a basic uh, full exam where we dilate the eyes, uh, check the prescription, see if we need glasses or contact lenses to make things clear, because we do want things to be clear as possible out of either eye, uh, which whatever your special demand might be as far as visual demand, a lot of time on the computer, 
we I prescribe different different prescriptions for folks that spend a lot of time on the computer versus truck drivers that drive at distance at night primarily. So, and I think of lenses and or glasses as a tool. And, you know, we oftentimes think, well, we need one pair of glasses, but oftentimes, you know, we have 10 pair of shoes and one pair of glasses. And depending on what the tasks are and what the problems are going, is that what's going on is that we need to uh, make sure we have the proper prescription for the proper visual demand. So when we talk about the eyes lead the body, the vision is the dominant sense. Vision is learned. There's critical periods between birth and three years of age. That's why we love to see the kids at 11 months of age to make sure they don't have a lazy eye or a large prescription difference between the two eyes. And we monitor that. We love to see folks between, again, 11 months age to 18 years of age um, every year. And then between 18 and perhaps 45, 50 every couple years if there's no concerns, but over 50 again, we need to go back to yearly. Uh, so we can see folks on either exam, either end. And that's what I see. I see folks from lust to dust, if you will. And so I do uh, practice all ages as because we all need to have enhancement and make sure that our eyes are not interfering with our visual demand. We're only as strong as our weakest link. And when you talk about the visual system, you're talking about your not only is information coming from, from one eye to the other eye, but they're kind of linked up like wagon wheels, and that's the eye teaming, and we need to make sure they're aiming at the same place in space. You can sometimes think about it as giving proper information with regards to fusion. Both eyes are fused together, focused to keep them clear, and to be able to follow and to fixate, what I call the four Fs, fusion, follow, fixate, and uh, again, keep things clear. Again, the four Fs. So what we wanna do is make sure that your eyes are teaming properly. And in order to do that, we listen a lot to the case history. What, what is your history? What is the difficulty that you're having? You know, too often, uh, a lot of, some eye doctors will just sort of blow things off like if a child might say, um, or even once a TBI person for that matter, Boy, I'm reading along, and boy, it feels like my eyes are moving here or there. I might see a little, you know, intermittent diplopia or shadows on things. If I look up quickly, it blurs and it clears. If we're having any, any difficulty like that, it's not anything to be shrugged off, say, oh, you'll grow out of it, or it will just take time. The, that won't happen. <laughs> what will happen is the system adapts. Basically, you adapt your problem if you will, you, you adapt around the problem. So therefore you avoid that. You don't read, you don't wanna read, those types of things. So when we're talking about vision, we're talking about, again, 127 million photoreceptors from the retina, which go, if you will, through the nerve head to a million and a half cable fibers up to over 90 billion cells in our brain. And that is more stars in the sky. So the visual system connects to nor more areas in the brain than any other sense. That is, we see and say, we see and move, and we see and hear. And if we can see it easily, properly, and quickly, we can be faster, more productive, less fatigued. And it's important to make sure we've got the sustenance ability to maintain uh, attention, clarity, and comfort, and that flexibility that we can handle that over time and move from near to far.
The visual system was truly developed for three dimension and movement and daylight. But that's not what we do. We're indoors often under artificial light, looking at two screens, maybe three, looking at our phone, perhaps even at the same time. So we're looking at computer screens much more often in the last 25 years than the previous 2000, or it depends on who you talk to, million. Wow. So again, our life is moving indoors instead of outdoors so often. And that's, there's, there's more and more that can be even said about myopia in first world countries. But also, you know, when we're talking about injuries, in particular sports injuries, soccer, uh, car accidents, ABI, that type of thing. And this is not, in, not to mention football, obviously, but any type of concussion or blow to the head, whether it be, oh, geez, I just got my bell rang, which we used to hear that a lot, or I'm in a coma for six months with an open head injury. Sometimes it's the individual who just got a conk to the head has a lot more visual problems even than the individual who's been in a coma with an open head injury for six months. So it doesn't take much. And I know my analogy sometimes has been when we're born, we're just this beautiful little person. And uh, I kind of think of us as a thousand piece puzzle that again, pour that puzzle on top of a cardboard table. And then our, especially our first three years of life, as far as when everything's coming together, it's like taking these little pieces and putting the puzzle together because I must crawl. My motor system teaches my visual system. So I crawl and I'll pick up a little uh, softball three feet away and I chew on it. And then I crawl over and I'll crawl six feet and I pick up a hard ball and I chew on it. And as I age, I can tell now, oh, that's three feet away, that's six feet away, that's soft, that's hard. And so we learn, vision is learned again. And if I can see a mouth moving, I can hear it. I put what the mouth looks like and how it's moving and how that sound is coming out. Many, many times it's not unusual to have a young child who had speech problems. And sure enough, they needed a huge prescription because they're quite a bit farsighted and they couldn't keep sustained focus. You'll put lenses on them and mm. sure enough, their speech gets better. Now, that's not with everyone, obviously. This has just a lot to do with prescriptions, how your eyes work. That's just another reason, not only motor skills, but uh, speech skills as well as visual skills. It's important to make sure this integration is working appropriately, especially early on. Yeah. Because once we lose, if we if we ever lose those skills or never gain them in the first place, again, our little puzzles all together now. But if they come up and you get they get injured, the head specifically, you just tap that card table and all the pieces are still there. There's nothing, no hemorrhages, no nothing going on organically inside the brain. It's just these pieces are not together now. Yeah. And therefore gosh, now I'm having difficulty with, gosh, what did I just see? Do I remember what I saw? Gosh, things are moving. Uh, I can see things to the right, but not to the left. Everything's shifted. So it's really important if people are doing occupational therapy, physical therapy, speech therapy, it's critical that they get an, a visual examination by an optometrist who really specializes in neural optometric rehabilitation as well as vision therapy and enhancement. So we work a lot with high level athletes, as well as folks with developmental delays, 
certainly a lot of head injuries, which we can talk about some more. Uh, but we also have strategies for visual memory, visual learning. But the most important thing, if we can get your visual skills within the norms, and this is a practice that's been around for over, I'd say close to 100 years, the vision therapy has. Oh, really? But unfortunately, it was like, yeah, it's been around for about 100 years. Wow. But it, it was been, it's been trained um, like the samurai sword. That is, we never knew why the samurai sword was necessarily so sharp and taut and flexible because you heat it and you beat it and you beat it and there was a certain way that you did it. Well, that's what vision therapy was done for at least 80, well, probably 70 years. And it's been the last 30 to 40 years. There's been a huge amount of research in developmental neurobiology. Uh, again, brain training, that's what vision therapy is because their eye muscles are the fastest and the thinnest and the strongest of the entire body. But we now have the research, and I was involved in some of the research, that says this is why it works, this is why it's a benefit. And if you just pick person off the street, 20% of the population, 20% have some type of binocular vision dysfunction. Yeah. That is, oh, I can't catch a ball. Oh, I can't, you know, poor reader, but a great at math you know, these types of things. And then yeah. unfortunately, a lot of the folks that get injured as, as you were injured, it's like, well, I'm going to go to all the professionals I can because I'm having this and this and this, but we don't even think too often. We just, when we see people and we think about ourselves, well, we all see the same. And right. it's, not, it's the furthest from the truth. We're all have a little fingerprint. And yeah. I know I've kind of gone on a bit, but let me try to get more specific and you may want to direct me, Melissa. Yeah, no, that was a really good overview of the whole vision system. And I had no idea that this, you know, vision therapy stuff has been going on for so long. And um, I mean, one question, it, like it, I always ask, or I always wonder when you're doing exams or when you go to the eye doctor, you know, when I went and saw you when I hit my head, you did a lot, you did a lot of stuff that was different than a normal, like checking my, um, you know, lenses. And can you explain how that, like, how do you determine when somebody needs that and, and what you're actually looking at? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I, I do quite a few different, uh, evaluations than, a normal optometrist or ophthalmologist would do in the exam. So I'm looking at number one, function, visual demand, and case history. So how's it going? How are you using your eyes? What's going on? What's happening? So with that, depending on what their their concerns are, then we'll I'll I'll just kind of custom my exams and testing, you know, from there. Oftentimes, again, we do the primary exam, kind of get most of that out of the way, but certainly we're really, again, looking at sustenance skills and spatial localization. Because again, spatial localization is knowing where I am in space, because you want to think about the X, Y, and Z axis of a person, yeah. you know, we're 360 degrees around. We don't always just look straight ahead, and we're certainly not stationary people. The beautiful thing about the eyes is it's the one thing we can always move if I'm a quadriplegic in a wheelchair, if I'm a paraplegic. So we've got to make sure, again, that when my skills are called upon to drive a car or to ride a bicycle or to, you know, catch a ball, hit a ball, you know, copy, copy notes from the, the, the uh, whiteboard or in college and elementary school, et cetera. 
that it's important to make sure that okay, I'm gonna test this individual at distance, which we're looking at, we call vergences. Vergence is to move your eyes in and to move your eyes out. Converge, pull your eyes in. Diverge, pull your eyes out. And you need a certain ranges that to make sure the system is as much flexible, facility, stability, and stamina. And you can maintain that after 10 minutes on the computer, an hour on the computer, five hours on the computer. So we talk about ergonomics and lighting and posture, those types of things. But we wanna see how well the flexibility is of the accommodative mechanism, which is focusing. So again, we wanna make sure that things keep things clear and to keep them single. That is to keep them fused and to keep them focused. So in order to do that, we do testing to see what is the uh, flexibility of that independently with the focusing and independently with the virgins, that is the, the, the uh, fusion. So we wanna have good freedom of movement in between the accommodative focusing and convergence virgence system. We call it the accommodative convergence system. And we have normative data where just specific age groups where we should be. And if you're, if you're not as flexible as you should be with the accommodation, then you're gonna to have to have a lot of convergence or divergence to help maintain clarity. And it overtaxes the system and it poops you out. You forget what you just read or you don't wanna read, I'm gonna avoid that. Or again, this can be triggered, obviously these types of symptoms that I'm talking about, uh, you know, to avoid that can be again, triggered by, this, by a head injury. It's always before, oh, I love to read before and now I can't read, I can't concentrate, I can't remember I, my attention, I can't maintain it. But yet what it is, is again, we must make sure that the visual system that near as is flexible, as much facility and stability as it can handle it near, as well as far. Because if, if signs and symptoms come on, which you never had before, I don't care whether you know, you're 30 years old and you didn't have a head injury, or you're 30 years old and you did have a head injury. So it, it doesn't matter what we're looking at. It's important to make sure we address the symptoms and the signs and to make sure that the visual system is comfortable. Because if the visual system is comfortable, you're not gonna see big changes in prescriptions. They're gonna be pretty stable until we start getting cataracts, yeah, over 65 or so. Yeah. And that's gonna change your prescription a little bit more. But it's more, again, visual demand. We wanna make sure that uh, if visual demand changes, which I've had that before, people change professions or they change, uh, you know, the professions for that matter, reading versus driving or vice versa is that they might start having symptoms which they never did before because now they're doing that for five hours a day instead of 30 minutes. So right. those are the things with visual demands. And if you can't handle that, then folks say, oh, I can't, I'm not going to, to do this new profession. And that's, that's unfortunate. So we wanna make sure that nothing is limiting them because we're only as strong as our weakest link. And we've gotta make sure, and again, your eyes, your vision's your dominant sense and your eyes are the most flexible, play, most flexibility of any system. And the brain, of course, that's where we see, right? We see in the brain. And the brain is truly just a filter. And that's the other thing that happens with TBI is, is that when you hit that card table and all those pieces together, and I think of those puzzle pieces as in a sense, kind of like the brain, you kind of hit that and you cannot filter out. You can't filter out as well. I mean, we're being bombarded and it's, I can't remember the exact number, but it's definitely close to a billion bits of information per second wow. that are coming into us at all times. 
And we've got to filter that out. And what we find oftentimes with folks with on the autism spectrum or with brain injuries or with just difficulty keeping things clear and single, we don't have that filter. But in particular with brain injuries, they'll see that oftentimes with light sensitivity, which is different than photosensitivity. And it's a flicker fusion. And again, if you're having difficulty keeping things clear and single, everything's more heightened sensitivity and especially light, especially artificial light. Mm. And again, we can't filter that out like we did before the injury oftentimes. Right. Wow. So those are some of the things that we're looking at. Yeah. So yeah. I use filters, we use lenses, use prisms, use glasses. So the testing that we do, and certainly we have, I have every uh, type of instrument here in the office as far as tomographers, we have a pentacam, um, we have pachymetry, um, we have a lot of different instrumentation that some places in our state don't. But again, that's because my interest area is vision rehabilitation, low vision, and vision rehabilitation and vision therapy. So we do a lot of enhancement. Wow. Um, can you talk more a little bit about um, light sensitivity? Because I know whenever mm -hmm. I hear somebody say something about that, they're always like, well, I just need blue light lenses. And Mm -hmm. That's well they they associate with light sensitivity. And I know you've you've yeah. talked to me about this in my yeah. um, examination it, as well. It a, you bet. And that's a good question because I actually do get it probably every other patient every day. And it's because <laughs> we hear it. You right. know, we hear it. You know, I I always joke about the fact that, you know, it's industry that rules the world. And industry, the optical industry. Uh, came up with a solution to which there is no problem with regards to blue light uh, emanating for our, from our screen. So there's no retinal phototoxicity whatsoever coming off our computer screens, uh, our TV screens, or our phone. There's no photo, retinal phototoxicity. There's nothing that's been proven as of today with regards to that. Now, the only, I mean, going back to the screens, that we know that the light off of screens, TV, computers, phones, uh, laptops, um, tablets, et cetera, they, if we're using those, especially late into the night, it truly does take two and a half hours for the melatonin production to happen properly so we can sleep better. So it's the light that suppresses the melatonin production. And so it's good for us. Uh, not to be on a computer or a screen for two and a half hours before we sleep. And of course, that's the way the visual system was originally designed, with daylight, sunlight. The harmful blue light is outside in the sun. That's why, and of course, at this altitude, 7,000 feet above sea level, you know, we're out 10 minutes, we get probably 100 times more UV harmful rays than 10 minutes on a beach in Miami because again, they're a lower altitude. So that's the harmful blue light. You know, wearing a build cap will shield out 50% of the harmful rays. And then there's clear lenses. You don't have to have sunglasses, but clear lenses will give you 100% UV protection. Oh. And <clears throat> so it's good to have that outside. <clears throat> Excuse me, and then certainly they have contact lenses that are 100% UV protection. So those things are available and not all contact lenses do that. Not all clear lenses do that. There's some is a lot of different type of lens materials out there that can um, help that. But light sensitivity, again, oftentimes for us, sometimes is more indoors 
uh, in particular, and we talk about blue light, again, it does no harm, but what's one of the better light, uh, if you will, emitting, uh, allowing proper light to come into the eyes is an, an anti-reflection coating. And what that does is eliminates 85% of the harmful rays, reflected rays, I should say, not harmful, but reflected, that's coming off fluorescent light or a screen. So again, it eliminates 85% of that reflected light and lets in 15% more parallel light. And that's pretty nice for some folks. There's a specific type for driving at night. There's also one specifically for the computer and fluorescent lights. And then there's also some that are just, you know, for all around everything. And, uh, and there's a specific way you need to clean those. We have these little uh, peeps that have been designed by NASA. It's kind of a carbon fiber. It's pretty cool. It keeps down the dust and clarity. So photosensitivity, I think sometimes we, we mis, misname that, but light sensitivity, photosensitivity versus like a, a, a critical flicker fusion problem is, is quite different. But it's important, and I haven't said this, but it is important, very important, that with, um, and I'll jump around here a little bit, but going back to the uh, TBI, ABI, that is hind injuries, you know, to work with all the professionals, that is the PTs, the OTs, um, ENTs, um, because a lot of times we always got to make sure that we've got everything ruled out and every, all of our little ducks in a row and then we'll try to work together as professionals with regards to you know, helping each and every patient that may be recovering from a concussion or a head injury. So we try to do that. And um, there's also, sometimes folks will have dizzy. I don't know if you ever experienced dizzy vision. Uh, dizziness. Yes, I had a lot, especially my first injury, which was a year before I found I before I started working with you. Um, but it was a huge part of. I just felt like, like I was, um, intoxicated. Um, like I was, my world was spinning, and it was worse when I lay down in bed at night. Mm -hmm. And and that again, we think about uh, dizziness certainly, and sometimes balance with regards to uh, the vestibular system. And it is critical to make sure the visual, the, the vis we call it the visual vestibular system, but definitely make sure the vestibular system is working the way that it should as well. But your major balance mechanism is vision. We can turn our head to the right and the world does not turn to the right. Uh, our muscles are kind of linked up with those semicircular canals there. And so again, what happens is if you know you've had a hard time and i think about while well, you're laying down with your eyes closed and you're dizzy well then we say well what went on throughout the day some days might be worse than other days especially if your visual system's not working properly that can be a symptom even though we think oh that could be the vestibular system but it is important to do vestibular testing and to make sure everything there is working properly but yet we've got to make sure the visual systems working properly. So when the visual system gives it information, it's proper and it's not wrong information because I don't want the vestibular system to give the visual system wrong information either. So we want to make sure organically everything's the way it should be. There's no water in the ears, you know, there's no veneers, there's different type little syndromes that need to be looked at by these neuro um, uh, neuro specialists with work with, uh, with the ears. When 
like when somebody starts vision therapy and they're kind of like, what am I even getting into? Um, how, I mean, how do you figure out how their therapy is going to, um, progress in what you're going to work on? Cause when I went into it, I didn't have any idea what I was going to experience. And then when I started it, I was like, oh, this is like physical therapy for my eyes <laughs> and my, my yeah. visual system. And it was really, really cool. No, thank you. That's a, it's, it's a very good question. And because we're all biological, it's all, you know, everyone's quite different, even though we might have the same diagnosis. I always make the example, I see folks that have a crossed eye, they are a lazy eye, so their eyes turned in. And I have some patients that say to me, I want to be able to see out of that eye clearly, I don't want to be lazy anymore, I don't care if it's turned in. And then I have other people that say, you know, I just want it to be straight, I don't care uh, what I see out of it, but I don't want surgery, right? So basically those are same diagnosis, but different type treatments, if you will. And so we, we have normative data and we have specific protocols that we use like any type of protocols with uh, regard to healthcare diagnoses. And then, so we run folks through many of those tests to see what, again, the flexibility, facility, stability, and stamina is of the four Fs. So I'll keep it simple that way. Focus, follow, fusion, and fixation. We see where a person falls with that. And depending on their little checklist, which I know you filled a few of those out, uh, how many you have, how high is your score, what type of difficulty are you having? You know, are you having trouble keeping attention? Um, are you skipping and repeating lines? Can you not remember what you read? I can't remember instance or things that I was going to do today, whatever their difficulty is. And then going from their symptoms to their signs, to their objective, as well as subjective data. And we sort of keep up with a time frame. And minimally, minimally, I find that it means we need about 16 hours in the office of therapy in the office. And again, with TBI or crossed eyes or lazy eyes, depending on what the problem is, but anywhere usually minimally for 16 hours in the office up to perhaps 52 hours in the office. And we try to get that done as soon as we can, but oftentimes life gets in the way. We try, we'd like to get it done within a year, three months to a year, depending on the significance and the difficulty. So some folks have multifactorial problems that do take longer. Certainly we have vacation, we have work and sickness and family that get in the way of all that. So we can't be really regimented, you know, it's just a weekly thing and we're just gonna be exactly on that time frame. Yeah. But at least as far as our time in the office, and as you know, we spend probably a good 50% we want you to do at home. And like you said, we don't, it's like physical therapy, occupational therapy, uh, but in one sense, this is more brain training. It's cortical processing. It's making you new cortical processing and making you, if you will, pathways to integrate with the rest of your system so that you can filter out the bad information and receive the good information and teach your eyes what to look for and how to see it and to learn how to move your eyes and because you're in charge of them. Eyes don't pee, tell people what to do. People tell their eyes what to do. <laughs> and once we can do that, and it's a good education because I mean, you had to somewhat educate yourself and truly be motivated to do this because 
any type of therapy, as you're well aware, life in general, and Melissa, your go-getter is the type of thing that, okay, you're a student of life and you're going to get better at whatever you want to do, whether that be career or hobbies or whatever it is. And in therapy, I find that I've worked with many professional athletes and professional athletes to be, and those are people that are students of life or their parents want that child to do better in school or to better at reading or to better at soccer playing. So, so as long as the kid's motivated, mom and dad are motivated, or the patient's motivated, that type of thing, we can make that happen because it's something that, oh, we don't do to a person. We teach, we direct people to learn how to use this equipment, use how to do their therapy, and then to uh, watch it transfer into real real life, moving yeah. through space. Yeah. One, one thing I found that was hard, and even though, you know, when you do therapy on your muscles, you know, you, you get sore and um, you, you feel it later, but in vision therapy, I would always feel really tired or my visuals, like I just felt wiped out. So I always had to plan my day around it so that I knew that I would have these hours afterwards that I needed to not do anything because I, you know, it was part of, um, part of the growing pains, I guess you could say. And that's, and it's exactly correct. I mean, what what that's about too and it's very common as a matter of fact it's very typical and so when people say boy at the end of the day I'm so tired worked on the computer all day yeah I'm concerned about that I'd say okay let's test the virgin system let's test the accommodative system because if they don't have that flexibility they're going to be wiped out just for regular skills let alone again uh, you know we've got to get the flexibility back in your system and obviously towards the end I know that you didn't have a problem with that. You could do twice as much because we load the system. You know, we try to load the system. Maybe first you might be sitting down doing these procedures, you know, stereopsis, depth perception. And then we have you stand or then the balance board, a balance beam. You know, we use prisms to make things shift to the right, shift to the left. So we want a lot of flexibility. And so we're loading the system. You're doing the same activity, focus, follow, fuse, again, with the depth perception, but you're not sitting still in front of this computer program yeah and that's that's unfortunately i think i see some of uh folks that are happening depending on the profession they'll say oh yeah just use this computer program go home and do that no <laughs> because that's not the way vision was learned vision was learned through movement through integration and that's we have to have real life touching feeling. We have to see it with the move through space and we have to get the system working properly. So unfortunately, I see that with some of my colleagues that don't do vision therapy like I do, but they dabble in it. And sometimes dabbling is not the thing to do. Yeah, I don't like dabblers. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's important. I think that's one of the reasons why it's important. I always you know, try to keep up on all the, the new techniques, the new technology as Lori has as well with me. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Um, when, uh, we were doing, um, vision therapy, one of the biggest things that I, I thought was a huge breakthrough was when you talked about perception of where you are in space, because I would keep 
like hitting my head on a bunk bed, my kid's bunk bed, or I reach down to grab something out of my dresser and my head just like smashes on the top of the dresser or, um, a cabinet. And I, and you know, it was like, what, what's my problem? I, I just keep hitting my head and I'm just making myself worse and worse and worse. And I remember you telling me, Melissa, it's your visual thing. Like we can fix it. <laughs> right. And right. It was <laughs> such a life-changing thing to get that, that perception back. And I, it's fabulous. You know, it's so, it's wonderful. And that's why I always talk about my heart. My, my profession is very heartwarming because it just makes me happy that that's the case. But what happens is again, sometimes, especially with head injuries, there's areas of, we call it neglect. It's not a true organic loss of a visual field loss, but it's like a neglect, but also comes from the fact that your world has kind of shrunk in and you give up the ambient system. We used to call that periphery. And then we, uh, central, you know, central peripheral, as we used to call it, but now it's called focal ambient, ambient, your system out here, and then the focal system. And most of the time with head injuries or difficulty, again, because that exacerbates an IT mean difficulty, computers will exacerbate that as well. But certainly a head injury can mismatch things. And therefore that flow or feedback loop is not the way it should. And so you're not aware of your ambient system because that's just our second nature. You know, that's us looking for saber tooth tigers and you know, uh, animals above and those things. Well, oftentimes we lose that and we miss that. And it's an area of neglect because we've been working so hard at everything else to try to keep it single and clear and sustain it, that these areas are not what they should be because the feedback loop has been disrupted by hitting that little card table again and everything's mismatched. And we just need to be able to get that back. And I, I don't know how long did it take you to gain that back? Or do you recall? Um, I mean, it was a good part of the entire time I was in vision therapy, but it, it, it made a significant improvement after we did a lot of worked on a lot of other things first, I felt like, um, and I went from where, when I would go under things or around things that I thought might, might hit my head. I always started protecting my head with my hand. And, um, until I was in the safe zone and then later now I noticed that I'm, I'm not even doing that. Like I actually trust my sense of where I am that I don't put my hand on top of my head to make sure that I'm not going to injure myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and, you know, truly that is a, a, an example of adapting your life around the problem. That it's like, okay, I got to think about putting my hand here because there's the bunk beds. Or I got to think, oh, wait a minute, there's, you know, I, I've got to compensate for that. Or I've got to avoid that. Get get rid of the bunk beds, you know, get, <laughs> get twin beds, whatever. But I mean, that's what we do. And, you know, we, you know, we had estimated for you longer sessions in the office than what you took because you got done in basically 25% of the time that we had anticipated. With wow. the number of symptoms that you had. And so, I mean, that's fantastic. And it's, an, it's a, a tribute to how much effort and time and understanding of what you knew was going on. And certainly with, with Lori's help and, and us trying to direct you to that and our lenses and our prisms 
you know, that really made a big difference for you. And then I understand that you're still doing some, and I think of this because when I work with athletes, I talk about, you know, people go out and warm up their body on the sports field, but they need to go out and warm up their eyes as well. And so we do warm-ups, visual warm-ups, oftentimes before, if we're going to go, you know, downhill on your bike, or if you're going to play on the field, or if you're going to be in a court, it's good to warm up the visual system. And we have specific things we like folks to do for that too, when they're going to do especially competitive, competitive activities. Yeah. I, I did use that when, um, I, I did a bike race earlier this year. Um, I used my little warmups every morning and then going on longer, um, car trips, which always pushes my visual system. I use my warmups because that seems to help a lot. And that again, goes back to folks that have that are motion sick in the car. That is a it's not necessarily a vestibular problems. We like to rule out visual problems because that's the ambient system not able to handle the swish swish going by that can go faster than we can run or ride a horse. And so again, it's different visual demands in the first world uh, prob first world problems. But that is one of the indicators of, oh boy, I bet you their prescriptions changing, changing, changing. If they're motion sickness, that's telling me they're not able to have a good feedback loop between the central and peripheral, that is the ambient focal systems, that there's something that's not what it should be. They've right. always been there, but it's trainable, it's treatable, it's improvable. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that was a huge thing too, is feeling in a vehicle, um, you know, when the car would stop feeling like I was still moving for a minute and I'd yeah. always have to wait, but... I did improve that. Um, so now I hardly ever feel that unless it's a really long drive in the car. Um, but that, that was improved significantly after or through vision therapy. And that's great. And that's where I oftentimes will find with our athletes, if I'm going to help them catch the pop-up flies, but they can, they can perhaps get a grounder, but they can't catch a pop-up fly and they're better at their baseball sport. Well, what we oftentimes they'll come back and say, boy, you know, I can read better. I understand better. And folks that we work on vision related learning problems will then say, boy, you know, I can catch a ball better. You know, we work with, again, uh, I don't know, uh, 12 year old, 12 year olds that could never ride a bicycle. Yeah. And the reason they couldn't ride a bicycle is because their visual system, they couldn't keep things clear and single over a sustained period of time. And therefore they had no balance, if you will. Yeah. And so that changed their world. So it's important to look at the, the visual system because it leads the motor system and you have to have good judgment and space to be able to get there. And that's the other thing in the car, like what you've experienced is just knowing the ambient system is now processing better with the focus system. And that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really fascinating. And I, tell everybody about vision therapy and they're always just super interested in it because it it's I feel like it can help everybody <laughs> oh I, I I agree I think it's the greatest kept secret since uh sliced bread happened but <laughs> it's it really is it's it's truly there's not a lot of us that do it there's only about 1800 of us in the world that do wow. this type of work 
Lori's one of uh, 1,100 in the world that do the, that's certified in this area as well. And so it's just been our careers and we, we just love it because again, we work with all folks. That is, we work with uh, severely developmentally delayed as well as uh, professional trap shooters, golfers. Uh, we've worked with over the years, a lot of the university athletes that moved on, some of them to the pros, you know, that type of thing. So it's, it's, a, it's really wonderful to see people's lives change so that they, they can succeed and not have any impediments because we're only, and I don't want people to have to adapt their life around the problem, avoid yeah. reading, avoid playing sports, right. know, those types of things. Yeah, you bet. So we try, we're updating our website and we'll hopefully have some little bit more information on there and some forms to fill out and, and uh, uh, an updated bibliography and things like that. But certainly in a years ago, we used to actually give um, some talks at the library uh, with all my, all our vision therapy patients or parents that if they wanted to come like every two months. And so we talked to, so patients would kind of know and parents would know you know where we're going what we're doing and kind of explaining what we just did today somewhat and do demonstrations that type of thing so that not only for the folks that are in therapy to understand it a little bit more but also for those who might be interested but of course those days are gone and so we're relying on you know what you're doing webinars and podcasts and things like that and uh, you know you can go to we have you know, different websites where there's some webinars and things like that, that would talk about what we've spoken about as well. Yeah. But for the, for the general public as well. I mean, obviously, yeah. So that'd be great. But yeah. I appreciate you getting the word out. It's always a real true pleasure, you know, working with you, Melissa, over the last couple of years and look forward to our future together. And um, yeah, is there anything we can ever do to, to help you? Let us know. And anybody else? If they ever had any questions too, we're always happy to talk with folks about it because it is, it's a novel idea to most people, but of course we eat, sleep and drink it. And so it's just second nature to us. And we think everybody has the same philosophy, but not a lot of eye docs do this. Very few, yeah. really, we're the only vision rehabilitation center in the state as far as it has optometry. Only 9% of folks that have low vision, that is they have, they, they wake up, see double because they had a stroke or they have macular degeneration and they can't see with regular glasses. We're the one places that we have a lot of equipment, assistive technologies for them. But only 9% of the folks that have these problems with low vision and they need vision rehab. This is now we're talking about organic problems that can be improved upon as far as you know, teaching people what to look for and how to see it and give the assistive technologies. Do that, does that 9%, they're the only ones that get the help with optometry. Now, other things are out there, here, use this magnifier, use that, no, no, no. And the same thing with brain injury. What we find is, again, some, some regular eye docs just say, oh, well, that'll get better with time. Well, no, it typically doesn't. It might yeah. because you start adapting your life around the problem. You don't do the bike races anymore. You don't ride in the back seat of the car. You right. don't go on long trips. You know what I mean? So you, and or you- Or drive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't want to drive. I mean, can you imagine? But that's what happens. This is very common. Your symptoms are very typical, typical, typical of any type of ABI, mild little knock to the head, you know, concussion, definitely typical, normal, you, you are, were with that. 
Yeah. <laughs> but you're above normal, as we know. <laughs> but, but, you know, that's typical symptoms that you've had and your journey has been fantastic. And I commend you for going through and doing all the, all the workups and, and getting with all the professionals to help you over this, through this. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, thank Dr. You. Lowe. I'm thank you very much, Melissa. Really, yeah, anything we can do. Yeah, I'm I'm thrilled you um were able to spend your time talking about this. And I know it's gonna help a lot of people out there. So good. Anything we you. can do, let us know. Praise, thank you. Thank you very much. Heartfelt. Yeah. You stay well, enjoy our warm weather for a change. <laughs> okay. Great. All right. Bye. Again, thank you everyone for listening to this episode. And just a quick reminder that this podcast is not a substitute for medical advice or advice from a professional. If you need help, be sure to reach out and get the appropriate help that you need. Um, I hope you all enjoyed this episode with Dr. Lowe. And again, I'm rooting for you out there. Take good care. Bye.